John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Today's scripture reading is the epistle of James, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, and the first epistle of John, chapter 1, verse 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of the way will save him from death and cover all over a multitude of sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The word of God for the people of God. Daniel. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray today that you would plow up the soil of our heart and lay it fallow. Let the word of God be planted and grow and bear fruit so that our lives are pleasing to you and that we walk as you've called us, walking, walking faithfully in the footsteps of Jesus. Lord, that's my prayer today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I have a confession to make. I thought that might get your attention. Isn't that interesting? Now, everybody looks at me. True confessions and repentance can be very costly. Charles Colson founder of Prison Fellowship, member of the Nixon administration, who went to prison himself for his role in Watergate. He wrote a book called The Faith, What Christians Believe, and in it he shares the story of a young man in the Washington, D.C. area, deeply involved in his church, solid, solidly converted to Christ, who went and sought out an associate at the church 
and confessed that he had committed a murder in a drunken stupor many years before he came to Christ. He was never suspected. He'd never been charged. But in his prayer time, every day, this sin greatly troubled him. He knew he was guilty in the eyes of the law and God. So what should he do? What would you do? A staff member at the church counseled him that he had to follow his conscience, and if he believed God was really telling him to turn himself in, he should do that. But he should also know that God will forgive a repentant sinner if they truly repent. In the weeks that followed, the man became increasingly convicted. He discussed it with his wife, who was also a believer, and they both came to the same conclusion that although it meant leaving the children, he had to turn himself in. He received a 10-year prison sentence. He was put in a Midwest prison where he became one of the great Christian leaders in the prison ministry of that prison. And was used by the Lord to change lives as a Christian leader in the prison. True confession and repentance can be costly. We learn from the model prayer of Jesus, the Lord's Prayer, that we have to confess our sins in order to be forgiven. The Lord teaches us that we've got to deal with the sin in our life. We're given this, this part of the prayer, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Before we get to that part, remember, in the model prayer, we begin with praise. We pause and we begin to rejoice and give Him praise and thanksgiving. We call Him our Father because we're a child of God. We have that privilege to come before the throne in the name of Jesus. And we then begin to pray and ask for the Lord to, to work in our lives and show us the work of the kingdom around us and to reveal His will to us. But then we, we come to that part where we ask for daily bread, which is giving God thanks and asking for the things we need. But is there anything that we need more than to confess our sin and receive His pardon and be cleansed? I can't think of anything more important than that. That's what Jesus came to do when He died on the cross for us. By His blood, we are cleansed from all sin. But once we are a believer, we live a daily life, and if we sin, we have to confess that. There is an important distinction to be made, I think. You will not confess sin that needs forgiveness if you first, number one, don't agree with God on what sin is in your life. Sadly, we live in a day and age where many Christians have fallen away from the biblical truth 
and won't even call sin a sin. Second thing is, you have to feel conviction. That's a work of the Holy Spirit in you. You can deny the Spirit, you can quench the Spirit, but if you're open to the work of the Holy Spirit in your soul, then the Holy Spirit's going to remind you, but also give you this promise that Daniel read at the end of the reading. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You can take that to the bank. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, we're introduced to a Greek word that we interpret in the English Bible as the word confess or confession. But in the Greek, it's a combination of two words. One is homo, the word is homologio. It's a combination of homo and logio, which means to say the same thing. When you confess something, you are saying the same thing God has said about it. When you confess something, you are agreeing with God about what His holy word says. You're agreeing with God that your actions or thoughts were wrong. Now there are two kinds of confessions. There are two kinds of things where you can agree with God. The first one is an affirmation of faith in which we agree or we say the same thing that the gospel says. Here's what the Apostle Paul tells us when when he shares with us that confession is necessary for salvation. In other words, saying the same thing God says about salvation. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me stop there. That means if you don't do it, you will not be saved. Can it be any clearer? And yet, sadly, I live in a day and age where seminaries... And churches are filled with people who deny this very basic truth. There's only one way to be saved. One and only one. You have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Then you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession that means saying the same thing as God is made to salvation. So what is it that we need to confess in order to be saved? Well, we need to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Peter said in Matthew sixteen sixteen, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Martha said, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's come to the world. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Timothy... Man of God, flee from all these things in this world. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You see, to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior is to accept that you are a sinner in need of a saving grace. It's to believe that He is who He says He is and that His blood is shed for you and cleanses you from sin. That's the gospel. 
I've said this many times over the years. I hope that you'll memorize it. Jesus Christ came to give His life for you so that He could live His life through you. Now there's another kind of confession. That other kind of confession is what we usually think of when we think of confession. It means to own up to it, to admit it, to agree with God that what you did was wrong. Confession of sin is the admission of our sin and agreement with God. In a court of law, you would stand before a judge. But in God's economy, you stand before a divine judge. And he's perfect in all of his judgments. He is righteous in every way. He will never make a mistake. But he will always pardon those who seek forgiveness. And he'll do it because his son, our Lord, took our sins upon himself on the cross. Every sin you've ever committed is pardoned only because of the blood of Jesus being shed for you because of his substitutionary atonement in which he took your place, he took your judgment due to you, and he took that upon himself so that you would have forgiveness of sin. Now the Bible presents two major categories for confession of sins. First, your confession is to God. We said earlier, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there's also another kind of confession, not to the Lord, but to one another. We're to confess our sin to other believers. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. That means restored. To fellowship. So when we have wronged someone, it's biblical to confess our wrongdoing to that person and seek forgiveness. It's, it's required of us to do that. There are many Christians living in disobedience because they won't do that. And there's lots of reasons why. I'm going to give you two real quick. One you know and I know is pride. We don't like to admit we're wrong. Can I get an amen? Amen, Lord. Pride rushes in, and we seek to justify ourselves, explain ourselves, blame shift, instead of just owning up and saying we were wrong. The other reason we don't like to confess sins to one another is because of a lack of trust. I've noticed being in the church and being in small groups in my life that people have a very difficult time confessing their sins one to another. And I've often thought, why? And I can tell you, I think it's because of a lack of trust. To build up a relationship strong enough that you can trust somebody, to understand that you are a sinner just like 
Scripture says. And that you can trust them with that. I think those are the two big reasons why we don't like to confess our sins to one another. Pride and a lack of trust. There's another action that must accompany agreement with God. In other words, confession over sin. And this is a big one. That is the sincere desire to stop it. It's called repentance. And the Greek word that's used for this throughout the New Testament is metanoia. And it basically means literally to turn around and go the other way, to go the right way down the narrow path. It means a change of mind, metanoia. When we repent, we turn, we change our mind. We want to walk down the path that Jesus has and follow him. So if you confess but you don't repent, then it's just words it's not meaningful. John the Baptist taught us that. When John the Baptist came, the forerunner of the Lord, he preached repentance and a baptism of repentance. And here's what he said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. John said, if you're going to come out here and be baptized in the Jordan, then you've got to repent. It's not enough to just confess that you did it. You have to then have the desire to stop doing it. Here's what the gospel says. Here's the good news of the gospel. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. The Lord has taken it away, and He nailed it to the cross. Hallelujah. I got nothing to preach if I don't preach that every time I preach. The Lord nailed it to the cross. All of your sins. We should rejoice today. There's an old Scottish adage that says, Confession is good for the soul. Confession is good for the soul. Because it gives you a clean conscience and a pure heart. This is only possible when you confess your sins to the Lord. And that's why we need to pray every day. And when we pray, we need to be spending time allowing the Holy Spirit to search our heart and mind to see if there's something in us that's displeasing to the Lord, that's disobedient to the Lord, that's not right with the Lord. And if there's something that's happening in our life, we need to confess that receive the forgiveness of the Lord and then do everything we can through the power of the Holy Spirit to live for Jesus. Jesus never committed any sin. Not any. And none of us here can say that. And we know it. And we know we have nothing to plead before the divine judge except the blood of Jesus. There is nothing in the scripture 
about confessing our sins to a cleric, a priest, a pastor. I know that there's a tradition in some denominations that you go and confess your sins to the priest and he absolves you. I got good news today. I don't need to hear about any of your sins. Hallelujah. I'd be glad to share with you mine. But neither one of us are going to be absolved because of magic words. The Bible says, instead, we have a mediator, Christ Jesus. We don't need a man. I I could never be your mediator because I am a sinner. Only Christ can be your mediator. That's why you can go directly to him. The Bible says that right now, the risen Lord is at the right hand of the Father. And do you know what Jesus is doing? He is interceding for you right now as your mediator. So if you, con- if you confess your sins, you're confessing them to the one who's laid down his life for all of your sins. He is your mediator. You confess your sins directly to the Lord. He will pardon and forgive you because his word is true that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. During this season of the year, I've been teaching on the Lord's Prayer. I've been going through it step by step. And today I've I've dealt with this verse so that I can teach you how important it is to in your prayer time, you spend time confessing your sins and searching your soul so that part of your prayer life is the cleansing of sin and the purification of your soul. That's supposed to be a major part of our prayer life. I'm afraid many people just skip over it. But we want to be right with the Lord. And I've got good news. When you confess your sins, He is faithful. He is just. He will forgive you. And He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Glory be to his name. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the privilege of prayer that we as your children can come before you just as we are and leave completely different. We bring our sin and sinfulness to you as our mediator and we know that we When we confess our sins, you will forgive us if we're sincere, if we truly repent. So, Lord, we pray that you would teach us to pray. Teach us to search our soul. Teach us to follow you, to pray like you, and to love one another like you. Lord, bless these, my brothers and sisters in Christ, as we all learn from Christ in the school of prayer. In the name of Jesus, thank you for listening with us. 
We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.